We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects, and they have been since 1972. They have the highest quality of products, from custom die-cut gaskets to molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming, and we've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We also went and checked out their warehouse a couple of months back now, and they make a bunch of awesome stuff, including materials that even go in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company Custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. Be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs or anything else made out of rubber. You can reach them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com dnvr. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over 1,000 varieties of beer as well as wines from around the world for you to try. You can download their app today and there's still three days left to use promo code FIRST10 to get 10% off your purchase of $25 or more before the end of January. They have two convenient locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch where you can pick up your alcohol. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley, and it is finally time. The draft still feels like it's a long way off, and for the Avs, there are a lot of question marks about what that will even look like still at this point, but it is time to start delving into things. AJ, first of all, how are you today? I'm good, man. I uh, My sleep schedule's been all over the place, so I feel like I'm a power napper extraordinaire sleeping like three hours at a time, but I'm feeling good. I, uh, I dropped the Ryan Graves feature that I've been talking about, uh, this morning. I worked really hard on it. So I, uh, I would love if everybody gave that a perusal while they have, a you know, a free 15 to 20 minutes. It's kind of a long read, but should definitely read it anyway. Um, beyond that, uh, pretty good, man. Well, Highly recommend you guys do go check that out. But Graves was not an Avalanche draft pick. And to be honest, I'm not sure how much we're actually going to be doing draft coverage as far as related to the Avalanche this season. So let's just start there. The Avs don't have a second round pick. They have a first round pick as it stands, but the trade deadline still looms less than a month away. AJ, do you expect that first round pick to be something the abs have going into the off season? 
I I honestly do. Um, I started out the year thinking no way, uh, but as we've gotten, we've we've sort of inched our way a little bit closer. I just don't really see this as a market that is rife with talent that justifies a first round pick. Like Chris Kreider is a good player, okay. Tyler Toffoli is a solid player. Uh, these guys are like these guys are good, but unless unless the Avs are getting somebody with term, you know, a younger goal scoring top six guy with term, who's maybe 25, 26, like an Anthony Mantha type, you know. Uh, but then then I could see them losing the first round pick. But if they just dip their toe into the rental market. Grandland, Toffoli, Kreider. I'm not giving up a first round pick for any of those guys. You know, Kreider, 29 years old and going into free agency. No, I'm not giving up a first and then signing him to the Matt Zuccarello contract. Like, I'm uh, no thank you. Yeah, definitely would not be interested in. I th- I'll put it this way. If the Avs are giving up their first, I think it would be in a pretty significantly larger package with a bunch of moving pieces going on rather than just for a Chris Kreider or something like that. Yeah. So Yeah, definitely like in the, you know the 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 big the big trade package is always an interesting conversation because the Avs have a lot of intriguing pieces. You know, Connor Timmins hangs out there, you know, with Bowen Byram ahead of him. There, I can guarantee you the Avs will get calls about that. You know, uh, Nikita Zadorov, Ian Cole, Ryan Graves, even. Those are all guys on the current defense who they could get calls on. Uh, and then Tyson Jost or a JT Comfer, Shane Bowers, a Martin Kaut, and a first-round pick. Like, they have a lot of things that they have to offer uh, other teams that are not that first round pick if they right. wanted to. So, Certainly an excess of, of value there somewhere you could probably find something. Definitely. And then and then you get into the depth of their system and how guys have had strong years. You know, Sample Ranta's breakout, Eustace Annan's breakout. That just gives them more good pieces to offer up in a trade if they want to do that. Of course they may just say, "Hey, we we're happy with our system finally starting to produce, you know, real prospects. They've got probably, uh, off the top of my head, I would probably say that they have eight real legitimate NHL prospects in their system right now. And that's a lot. Like, that's that a, is lot. a lot. That, yeah, if you get half of those guys into the NHL, even, that's a big win. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. So um, I, I think that they're the best approach. They already don't have a, a second. Um, this draft class, from from what I've, you know, I've, I've taken the last two weeks with the abs being gone to really delve a lot more into it. And I got to say, man, I really don't think it's very deep. Like, I really liked a lot of the depth going well into the third and fourth round last year. I don't know that that'll be the case this year. So if there was ever a class for them to not have a second, maybe give up a third, this one is fine. Like, is if especially if they keep that first, 
you add one more top prospect to your list there. Your depth is a little bit weaker for a year, but that's okay. As long as they don't get into the habit of like a San Jose, you know, where you're just constantly hemorrhaging picks and stuff. The only thing I would say with the depth is I feel like there's always very quality euros you can get in the second and third round that kind of fly under the radar a little bit. But I mean, we always find that out five years down the road, right? Right, exactly. Like, sometimes that's true, and sometimes that's not. The fact is that they don't have a second, and I do think it's going to be pretty hard to turn that around unless it's a package like they're giving up a first and getting a second back or something like that. Yeah. So if you're looking at it from a draft capital standpoint, uh, holding on to their first as is is probably as good as it's going to get for them. Yeah. And, I mean, we expect that to be in the 20-ish range, 20 to 25 somewhere, um, you know, barring a cup run, obviously. But 20-ish to 20 to 25, and I and I think that um, the, the real intrigue, which is, is going to be the position, you know, yep. there's, there's a lot of balance in their system right now at the top of it with a couple of top prospects. At forward, you know, you certainly feel better about the forward prospects, I think, right now. If you go three deep, you're talking New Hook, Bowers, and Cout. On defense, if you go three deep, you go Byron, Timmons, and then Hellison, I guess. Right. I I mean, I was very much on the draft of forward train at the start of the year, but steadily as the year has gone on, I, I've just slowly moved more and more towards looking at a defenseman, especially obviously with the ads going to be drafting in the second half of the first round at minimum mm-hmm. that where drafting for need becomes a little bit more reasonable. Yeah. Like drafting, drafting for systems needs, you know, the, yeah. the thing that I think is, difficult about this is if you're drafting in the 20s you're you're not getting a a quick projection you're talking about this is going to be three to five years right it's you're certainly i mean there are always exceptions to that rule but you're not looking at someone making an nhl impact anytime soon like if you get that great like if you get a guy that just blows up out of the gates and you're like holy smokes that's fine you know great you'll take that but you're not you're not expecting it right and exactly and and i think what makes it hard uh, if you wanted like a draft for your system is let's say for the Evs, you know, we're looking at the system, right. And we're saying, oh, they need to draft for that. But if Byram and Timmons are both NHL players, say they're both on the NHL team in the next year, mm-hmm. that's four NHL guys that are 22 and younger. Yep. Like the need to draft a defenseman just because your D pipeline isn't very good beyond that. At that point, you're talking like Hellison and Jaravalov and Clerman and Lieberman. Like I, I, I get it because you, you could definitely use the in, injection of talent, 
But at the same time, like your your guys in the NHL are so young that it's like, is this guy realistically going to come in here and do any damage anytime soon? Well, I'm, that's always the question with D, right? Because the fact is, there's just only six spots compared to twelve at forward. Yeah, but there is the expansion draft coming up. There is Definitely. going to be a cap crunch coming up, and that always hits teams' defenses <laughs> pretty hard. It, it's pretty regular that teams have to end up moving on from a defenseman in those situations because you can't pay all of your defensemen four plus million dollars. Yeah, it's true. Um, you've got to try and get a cut. You know, you've you've got to get away with it somewhere. Yep. And the back end is definitely where a lot of teams try and do that, where they they have a million dollar third pairing. You know? Things like that, where if you have ELCs available, you're in the money. Like, that's that's ideal. That's exactly what you want. 100%. It, ELCs, especially ones that have bona fide NHLers on them, are just absolutely massive for teams pushing into cup runs and things like that. And assuming that two, three years down the line, the Avs are still well within their cup window, that could be a key piece. That could be a difference maker that frees up an extra million dollars to go and get another piece to try and win a cup. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, if you're sitting there at 23 or whatever the abs are picking at, and there's some forward that has fallen 10 spots, then you take the forward. You have to play the draft as it comes to you. Yeah. But going into it, I think, especially the way a lot of lists are shaping up right now, there's going to be a lot of D in that range as well. Yeah. And I think there are some interesting guys that could be in that range that would really be a nice fit. I would agree with you, and we will certainly get into that over the next two periods of this podcast. But for now, it's time to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. And I guess I officially have clearance to tell you guys about the Mile High City Breck beer. In collaboration with the Denver Nuggets, Breckenridge Brewery is proud to release Mile High City, a brilliantly bright, full-flavored copper lager. It's another beer from them that goes down real smooth from when I've had it. And Breckenridge Brewery and the Denver Nuggets, excuse me, have teamed up to give fans another things to cheer for. Both brands are excited for their fellow Coloradans to enjoy the tasty copper lager while rooting for their home team during this killer season. Mile High City has full pint and Munich malts to create a lightly toasted sweetness balanced with a refreshingly clean finish. As always, Mile High City probably can't find it in your local liquor store yet, but very, very soon you will be able to. For now, you can stick with your Strawberry Skies or whatever else you can find from Breckenridge Brewery. And also keep an eye out for our event calendar on ddnvr.com. We have all of our events planned there gonna be sweet highly recommend you come out on thursday as well because there's going to be an awesome party celebrating the nuggets and this new product second period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by davidson's beer wine and spirits i'm rudo he is aj for the first time in 2020 we are talking nhl draft as we kind of stated in the first period 
if the Avs were to draft right now, if the season just ended and they did the draft order as is, the Avs would be picking 24th. So somewhere in that range is fairly reasonable to expect them to pick. And we wanted to get into some of our favorite players roughly in that range. Obviously, things are still going to move and shake quite a bit as the year plays out. And we're going to start with the defensemen. We will get to the forwards more in the third period. But for now, since it does seem a little bit, at least for me, like we're leaning towards a defenseman pick, if applicable, AJ, is there any defenseman in that range that stands out to you significantly? Uh, you know, we talked about him early on. Um, Caden Gooley is is probably the guy uh, yep. for both of us. But um, the other the other guy that I think is really kind of intriguing at this point, um, and I think we've touched on this a little bit in the past, but I I really like Justin Barron. And there are real question marks right now. Um, Barron was a guy that came into the year with a lot of top 15 hype on him and has uh, blood clots kind of slowed up his. It's been an issue to get healthy for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really slowed his progress and uh, that's, that's, I think, going to be a very interesting conversation come the Combine because we saw Tomas, Tomas Fleischman had blood clot issues a couple years ago after the Avs traded for him, and he could not re-sign with the Avs because doctors told him that the blood clot issues would continue. Because of the altitude. Yeah, and that's interesting because we've seen... Uh, you know, there was Ryan Clark uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers a couple of years ago uh, was a was a safety for the Steelers and had to skip every game when the Steelers would come into Denver. He could not play in those games because it the doctors just said it wasn't safe was for him. He the one that had sickle cell. Uh, I don't remember what it was. One of those something yeah. was blood related. Right. And that's that's what I took away from it was right. you know. So what I'm uh, getting around to it and I don't know specifically what Justin Barron's issue is other than blood clot issues. So, you know, it may be something completely different. But I do I do know that there is a history <clears throat> of not being able, you know, of this being a limiting factor on players that the the Colorado teams can acquire. And so that that would be the interesting factor with Barron is at the combine, he would have to get that all cleared up. The same thing is like Martin Cout had the the heart issue. Teams were kind of nervous about it. He went back to the Czech Republic, had surgery, and it's never been a problem again. Right. But, and safe to say, certainly, the Avs have always done their due diligence on these types of things. They've never really been afraid to pick players that have dealt with injury. Now, not always in the first round like Cout, but you'll, you saw Nick Henry in his draft year and yeah. and even guys like Josh Anderson, which you can debate the pick. But the Avs aren't afraid to pick someone who is <laughs> injured at the draft. They picked a guy. They used the top honor pick on a defenseman with a broken back. 
Right. Like, if if they feel like the long-term medicals are clear, they're not afraid to pick a player they like. Exactly. So, And Justin Barron is a guy with a lot of talent and another, right, another right-handed defenseman. Yep. Every team in the league is looking for right-handed defensemen most of the time. They just are one of the most premium position players in the NHL. Yeah, it's, I mean, you see whole defenses full of lefties, like, regularly, so. I do, my concern with Barron beyond the injury stuff is I I do wonder if his offense is a little bit overhyped. I do think his shot is a little bit overrated, in my opinion. I don't think he's going to be as big as a goal scorer as some people think. I I can live with that. The, and... You have to take context into account here. You're picking a defenseman in the late 20s. No one's going to come out here and, and be Kale McCarr and do everything. So, yeah, like, you're not expecting that. Like, if, you know, I mean, what, Eric Carlson was, like, 17th overall. If you get that guy, obviously, you've hit a major home run. Yeah. Like, exactly. you're, you're feeling, you're, you hit a 500-foot grand slam in the you bottom cannot- of the ninth. To win the World Series. It's as far as a human being can possibly hit a baseball at that point. I right. Mean. Exactly. So. so. Uh, with Baron, <clears throat> Excuse me. With Baron, I just think that there's such an intriguing all-around skill set. He's got great size, good skater. Um, offensively has been very productive in his career. Uh, I I would be all about it. He feels like very much the kind of guy that's going to succeed in this version of the NHL. The question is, is, is he more, is he going to be more like Tony D'Angelo or is he going to be actually good? Yeah. And, and that's fair. Like, I'm not going to, I wouldn't complain if it, I was told right now the abs are taking Justin Barron at wherever they pick. I do wonder a little bit, though, especially knowing the Avs' penchant for what they like to pick in a defenseman a lot of the time. This is a very diplomatic way to say this. Yeah, I'll I'll leave it at that. But And maybe I'm a little bit biased here because I do watch a lot of the Brandon Wheat Kings because of Luca Burzan. But I've really taken a shine to Braden Schneider as a defenseman in that range because of his skating and puck moving ability from the back end. There's no mystery there. He's never going to be a super effective guy on the offensive side of the puck, way Mm -hmm. more effective than, you know, say Josh Anderson or something, but you're not going into that with certain expectations on the offensive side, which you would be with someone like Baron. And I'm just not super confident in that. Whereas what I see out of Braden Schneider is an NHL player. He has that defensive ability, also very nice size, much like Baron, but he has those pieces of puck moving and skating that much more fit the mold of a a modern NHL defenseman, kind of like Drew Hellison, but better. I would say I do think he has a, a, bit more pace to his play than someone like Hellison, which mm-hmm. pushes him up into that late first round instead of a second round pick like Hellison was. And he, 
uh, he's another righty as well. So uh, <laughs> that issue is is somewhat solved, and it's no surprise you see a bunch of right-handed defensemen jump up into the late first round, I think. But it's another option that I think I'm more comfortable with right now today than Justin Barron. Uh, I would feel the opposite. Yeah. Assuming the blood clotting is not an issue. Like, I feel that's an extremely important caveat. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if the blood clot issue is a thing with Baron, he just doesn't get drafted by the Avs, period. And that's that conversation ends. Yep. Yeah, I am. I'm I, I am just not sure how I feel about defensive defensemen today. Well, so I'm kind of looking down the line a little bit too here. What are the defensemen the Avs are likely to lose in the next couple of years? Whoa. Ian Cole, Nikita Zadorov, possibly. Okay. Ryan Graves, possibly. You're looking at these bigger guys with pretty heavily defensive roles mm-hmm. and a physical edge to them. And obviously, in the short term, certainly some of those guys are going to be replaced through free agency. But again, getting into that conversation of getting ELCs into a bottom pair, playing in a specific way where they can be relied upon defensively, we know Bednar puts a lot of importance on something like that. And I do think Schneider fits that a little bit better. Yeah, um, I think the kind of timeline you're looking at in terms of replace, like replacing guys on the current events, um, you draft a guy like Schneider and you're talking about the end of EJ's time in Colorado. And that's a perfectly reasonable option as well. That's, you know, just add another year on the line there, basically. But I, I think it gives you a little bit more of a spray and pray option to what the abs are going to need when you have a Schneider, when you have a Hellison, because look, Kale McCarr is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Sam Gerard is not going anywhere. Bowen Byram is not going anywhere. That's three fourths of your top four. And two of them are significantly impactful puck movers. And likely Byram could be as well, depending on how the abs want to use him. Mm-hmm. So the abs are going to need a little bit of those stalwart types to fill out a little bit. And the reason I, I lean on Schneider and as I'm sure we'll get to in a second here, Gooley a little bit more than others is because I think there is enough underlying puck moving ability there. Yeah. And I think Gooley is the best combination between the two guys that we've talked about. I agree. Un- unfortunately, I think he might have raised his stock out of the yeah. abs range, but I think uh, it would take the abs getting like, I don't know. Even if they got into the late teens, they got into the 18, 19. I don't know that he would be there anymore. Well, right. If he's in the 18, 19 range, the Avs are calling people to move up would be mm-hmm. kind of the conversation there. I think I, I if I were running the Avs, we'll put it that way. Um, so uh, right, the Ghoulie is the best of both worlds. I think that's a really good way to put it. I think there is a little bit more reliability on the offensive side from him. I, I think he's taken some really good steps in that regard this season. So it's, it's going to be tough because there are a ton of other defensemen here in this range that I think both of us aren't particularly high on as well. So you could do a lot of things, go a lot of ways. You could, they could go the, USNTDP route again with someone like Jake Sanderson. I've, definitely that feels like a, a fan of mine. 
I agree. I that I would take Hellison over Sanderson straight up. Well, so. this this basically just guarantees that Sanderson is the pick now. Right. As we, we learned last season. <laughs> we've we've dedicated time on the show to talking about don't like that guy. So, so the, the abs are on top of it. You <laughs> just plan for Sanderson. Just accept your fate right now. Yeah, I you know <laughs> if it's the thirty first pick, I don't know that I'll feel strongly. Fair, definitely. I might <laughs> Give still be in a coma. Yeah, the draft is what one week after the the end of the Cup Finals, so yeah, some dude will get picked. Yeah, exactly. I'm, there's no chance I'll be in Montreal because <laughs> they don't let drunk people fly. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. They try not to let drunk people fly. <laughs> I guess it depends on how rowdy you are with that cup. But yeah, well. We'll go ahead and, and take our second period break on that note because, you know what, the best outcome would be the abs with a cup at the end of the day. As much as I loved my draft content, that's what is the ultimate goal of playing in the NHL. And once the NHL season is over, well, there are plenty of other sports here in Colorado, including the Colorado Raptors. If you haven't heard, we're now covering the Colorado Raptors pro rugby team. We have Colton Strickler on the beat, taking you behind the scenes with the DNVR Raptors podcast, as well as his Raptors content on the DNVR.com. He's building a really cool community on the DNVR Raptors Twitter account. If you ever wanted to get into rugby, this would be a great start. For those that don't know, the Raptors play at Infinity Park in Glendale, just east of Cherry Creek, and this is an awesome venue to go to. Adults are getting in for 20 bucks right now when you buy tickets at coloradoraptors.com, and kids get in for just $5. Search for the DNVR Raptors podcast after our show and become a fan of Colorado's pro rugby team. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Rudo and AJ talking a little bit of draft. We talked some defensemen potentially in the Avs range. Now it's time to talk about a few forwards. And I don't know if I want to call it a role reversal a little bit, but I'm going to be the guy raining on everyone's parade in this segment because to be honest, I'm just not a huge fan of a lot of the forwards in the 20 to 30 range in this draft. I think there's a lot of holes in their game and I understand you're not going to get a perfect player in this range, but I have concerns about a lot of them. I know AJ has a couple of favorites though. So, yeah, I really like Jacob Perot. Um, I think that he would fit Colorado's system very nicely. Doesn't mm-hmm. have doesn't have great size, but he's a goal scoring machine, man. You know, as a as a sixteen year old puts up thirty in the OHL, like, it's no joke. And he's followed it up this year in his draft year. Um, it, you know, he's got twenty eight goals right now in forty three games, and like. That that is the kind of production that I think walks. And I'm just a big fan, man. I'm I'm a big fan of the idea of the Habs going out and getting another goal scoring monster. You know, like they did uh in the the draft last year where they said, Hey, we want we want to focus a little bit more on guys with great shots. 
And that's something that they haven't done in a really long time. And I think that that's a great approach to filling out kind of their system for right now. Because it's something that they they lack. They've been so playmaker heavy for so long that getting another goal scorer or two, I think, really... It's a, it's a way to trend the, the overall system upwards. I worry that... Mm, I guess calling him Bocage would be a little bit harsh. I I do think his skating yeah, he's is, better it, than that. is better than that. But I I do wonder if he has a little bit of Kaliev in him, where especially at the next level, is he going to fall into a guy that all he can do really is shoot and and needs assistance to get himself set up a lot of the time. Um, you know, I definitely don't see him staying in the middle of the ice. Yeah. And that is going to be a legitimate question. I guess that's true. If you put him on the wing, I think I'd be a lot more open to that type of player. We've seen quite a bit when you have a center like that. You run into a problem where if they cannot drive the line, it's just not going to work because they have to be able to create individually if they're a shooter like that down the middle. Yeah, I like um, he reminds me a little bit of Max Pacioretty. And I think that's a, if he could have that kind of career, that's a great I mean, pick. Yeah, that's a grand slam pick at, at 24 if you're getting a Max Pacioretty type out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, any guy who, who has the goal scoring, he's always going to flash on the highlights and things like that. So yeah. it, that's a positive for him. I do wonder still though i his skating is fine i don't think it's gonna kill him especially because i think he has the ability to move into shooting lanes pretty well yeah it's not a major asset but it's not a major detriment either it's not like with bokash where that's the reason he was a third round pick right i exactly it's kind of a balancing act right his skating is good enough but i just I think he might have a little bit of Ranta in him. I don't think his hockey IQ is that low either, but it's kind of a mix, right? He he has better skating than Bocage, but the IQ isn't quite where I think it needs to be. And I really wonder about that because it's one of the hardest things to teach players over the long run. It's less of a concern for me. Um, I really am not – I don't worry too much about the IQ. Um, I think he's a guy that consistently makes good decisions and puts himself in the right places. Um, I'm I'm pretty sold on him uh, if he's available. Oh, Colorado's pick, it's a great option. I'm not saying he has to be the guy they pick, but I think he's a great option. All right. Certainly, it would be a little bit of a departure going back to the OHL, I guess. They took Brandon Sajan, but... That's a very specific pick in the late rounds that has a lot of a lot of things going on there. Before yeah. that, I guess it would have been Timmins, right? Yeah, I was going to say it's like Timmins and Sajin is kind of it. So, Avs have not dipped into the OHL that much, so that might be interesting. You know, that it's it really is interesting because um, Alan Heppel uh, is Toronto-based. Yep. And he spends a lot of time in the OHL. And they and I, haven't gone to his well very much. Yeah, and I think that's interesting that like the guy making the decision is like, nah, 
I'm good. So, it it certainly will be interesting to see there. And, you know, maybe as we get closer to the drafts, we'll start talking about those third round type picks a little bit more because I do think they, they do like to go to their comfort zones in the mid rounds quite a bit. But sticking with the first round for now, AJ, I, I know you, you're a big fan of Dawson Mercer as well. So, yeah. And I worry, this is a guy that I actually really worry isn't going to be around. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, when you're talking about, I think there could be IQ issues with Perot, not with Mercer. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's one of those things that when you talk about Dawson Mercer as a prospect that you're, you really like this part of his game. Yep. You, you love that he makes quick decisions at a quick pace and he plays very fast and he plays, I mean, the guy's a maniac, right? He's one of those like super hardcore motor, go, 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 go types. And I really love that fit for Colorado. Yeah. You know, the abs love those guys. (laughs) So they've, there have been guys in the last couple of years that I have really liked that had those profiles that did not end up in Colorado. Uh, as they have gone for a little bit more of the high-end skill uh, swings, you know, the Bocages and the Rantas. Sure. And it's, well, you know, you're, you're finding to go against that. Right. You're finding that happy medium now for a team that has the top three of, of McKinnon, Ranton, and Landis Gog. Mm-hmm. Kadri for now with a new hook loaded up down the barrel as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even Bowers and Comfer and Jost and Depth guys. Well, right. The the I mean, top six is starting to get a little bit tight. If we're being realistic and you're calling up these guys three, four years down the line to help you try and win a cup or potentially even another cup, you know, in a perfect world, these are guys that are not just going to jump into your top six. They need to be able to play a certain style to be effective in that bottom six, even if ultimately they do end up in your top six at some point, a player with Mercer's profile is that type of player where you can throw him in your bottom six. He can just be an absolute hound for pucks and, and help yeah. your team that way. That's the thing, man, is he is he is a hunter. Like, he does not – if he does not have the puck, it's like he takes it personally. <laughs> and he's like, no. No, we're not about that life. I'm getting, I'm getting it back. And he just goes hunting for that thing. Yep. And he's relentless, man. Like he's a maniac. And I think that that's awesome. I got like, a little bit of that Matt Calvert in him. Right. But I mean, we're talking like Matt Calvert, but I mean like a high skilled version here. Right. right? No. And can facilitate quite a bit on the front end as well. Right. And like a dude who is producing at a high level, produced at a high level last year. And 30, 30 guy and is his first. Well, I guess that was his second year in the in the queue, but still. Yeah. But even still, I mean, you're talking. This is this is a dude who is living up to the potential. Um, plays at a very high pace plays really hard and just fits a very specific need for Colorado where 
if right now you could, if I could pick anybody outside of like the tip, tip, tip top guys, of course, uh, that I think would fit perfectly in Colorado, it'd be Dawson Mercer. And this was a guy who he had a very good uh, super series with the Q team, but then kind of flew under the radar quite a bit at the WJCs. Yeah, uh, you know, the WJC team this year for Canada was messy. <laughs> yeah, it felt like all of the draft eligible guys were just sort of there thrown in at random like, kind of yeah outside of outside of laugh at the top yep like none of the draft eligible guys stood out if you go and you look at like even even like Bowen Byram you know was it was like okay hey we're going to ask you to play a lot of defense we're not worried about scoring yeah just hang back <clears throat> and you know, that's what he did. But, I mean, you look at, like, some of the draft-eligible dudes, and it was just like they, you know, Quentin Byfield was just there. Yeah, he was not a good tournament for him, to be honest with you. But Like, Dawson Mercer was just sort of there. And we, we've seen this. Like, do you remember when, do you remember Nathan McKinnon's draft year? Yep. He was, like, the fourth-line center on Team Canada. They've always very heavily relied on their veterans to come in and, and do the job unless you get someone like a McDavid or something like that. Yeah. And like they're in a position, Canada is in the unique position where like Russia also prefers that, but Russia does it to their own detriment. Canada's in a position where they can just load up on first round picks from the last yep. couple of years and be like, Oh, you're still eligible. Okay. Well, I guess you're coming to the tournament. Come on back and score like, a bunch of goals for us. Like Barrett Hayden was like their leading scorer. It's like a top five pick. Right. I, I'm not even a huge Barrett Hayton fan. Me neither. But you put him, this is a guy who has some NHL experience now. He's was a, almost 20, and it's almost like putting a man against boys in some cases. Yeah, like it It. It was a perfect situation for both Canada and Hayton for him to go and have the performance he did. Yep. So. And then, like, you look at the rest of that roster, like Dylan Cousins, Connor McMichael, Joe Valeno, Ty Delandria, yep. Nolan Foote, Liam Booty. These guys are all first round picks. Yep. Ty Smith. Bowen Byram's a top five pick that was just sort of there. Must be nice to be the super team. Yeah. So it's why it's why every every year when people are like, oh, who do you think is gonna win WJCs? I'm like, Canada. <laughs> Doesn't even matter what the team looks like. Because they just are the favorites every year based on recruiting class, if you want to call it that or whatever. But yeah. Anyway, um, Dawson Mercer, super dope. Really, really love his game. Jacob Perot, like his game, really like the goal scoring. think he would bring a really fun element uh, to the Avs. Question would be, does he, does he stay at the center? Does he move to the wing? I, you know. Yeah, all those things. I think you've sold me a little bit on Mercer. I went into this thinking all forwards are bad, and I could, I could see Mercer now. But the Perot, problem is that Mercer's eh. been white hot, and everybody's got him in like the top fifteen. Right. Now. I know if he keeps up the absurd pace, he'll go way above where the Avs pick. But. Yeah, and it's like great. I fell in love with a dude that's going to be eleventh overall at this point. And that's the problem with drafting in the twenties, right? Is everyone who starts playing well, it's like, well, guess we're not picking him this year or whatever. Yeah. Well, I so, mean, t- to be fair, 
I I loved Connor Timmons a couple years ago in the draft year. And Shane Bowers. I loved both of those guys. All right. Well, I'll let you love guys because I just don't want to be hurt again. I don't want to say I like Alexandrov and see the ass missing my one pick. And then find out later that that was the guy they wanted to pick. That was was honestly cruel. That was cruel. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, they have still had a very good draft, so I cannot complain, to be fair. It was cruel, though. Yeah, well, you know, that's life. I don't know. Any final thoughts here, AJ, on this early look at the 2020 draft from the Avs perspective? I'm sure we'll be back in a couple of weeks or a month with a completely new list of players that we didn't talk about at all, but it's a start. Do you need a hug right now? I might. I might need a hug. I feel like ripping off the Alexandrov Band-Aid might have it stings. Up a It still stings a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I'm sorry, man. That's okay. I don't get paid to, to be an NHL draft person, so when Alexandrov is a bust, I'll find solace in it. Great. You'll be, didn't even like him anyway. <laughs> nice. Who? Yeah, exactly. I don't still follow him on Instagram. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking forward to a new year of draft anyway. it's That's the thing about the draft, right? There's always next year's crop of prospects to make up for it. So, you know, maybe they'll hurt me again, or maybe they'll pick the guys that I love. Either way, we'll have to wait and see until, I guess it's less than six months now. Jeez, time is going so fast. It's like the draft is less than five months away even. So... Yeah. You'll hear a lot from us over the next five months, I'm sure, about the draft, or at least from me at the very least. And also trade deadline stuff. That's a thing that's coming up. I Are we doing one later this week, AJ? I'm not sure. If not, we'll for sure do one next week. So, uh, Yeah, I'd like to do one this week. Cool. We'll probably get that in Thursday or Friday for all y'all listening. As always, thank you for doing so. And on that note, I guess we will talk to you tomorrow. Bojo's is the only place you can get a bona fide Colorado mountain pie. And they're giving the DNVR fam a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. Bojo's is hooking up the DNVR fam with that. Yes, honey cheese bread. We put honey on our bread here in Colorado, or at least a lot of people do. I don't really do it. Their their pizza is really good without the honey, too. I promise. Either way, you will like it if you like pizza. Their dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. They infuse their dough with that. A lot of people say it's to die for. And there's something for everyone at Bojo's as well. They have a salad bar. They can go gluten-free for you if that's what you need. They have Breck Brew on tap. They have a bunch of TVs to watch your favorite sports and $4 happy hour. So they'll keep you happy one way or another. You can visit them at bojos.com That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S dot com and let them know DNBR sent you to get that free honey cheese bread with an entree.